Hello and welcome back to another episode of Swinging at Shins. Today, we have Woodsy. Woodsy, how are you today? Brother, it's another another good week atop the Premier League table. You know, my my Reds are uh, just put a beat down on Chelsea. Um, and, uh, you know, a billion pounds and, and, and a 230-pound midfield, not quite the uh, the answer most people thought it would be. But, hey, that's uh, – I also, I also got something to mention about that game a little later. But uh, I think there's – there's there's good things going on right now with the sport and, and as much as as much as you know some news makes me sad wins like that you know bring me <laughs> bring me right back brother yeah certainly um we'll talk about that match uh, later on but yeah that match was definitely pretty wild and it's also nice to be a liverpool fan for um people who <laughs> are recently joining us woodsy's a, a liverpool fan so when he says we, he means Liverpool and everybody else included. Um, <laughs> this week was kind of a midweek mayhem matchup because of FA Cup and Carabao Cup that's been going on. So it's kind of weird. Uh, right now we still have the final match going on, which is the Wolves uh, versus Man United. That current scoreline is uh, nil to two for United currently. Hopefully that changes or whatever. I guess it really doesn't matter. I don't have a stake in that. Um, We'll also talk about today Luton Town because Luton Town put a thumping on Brighton as well. I want to discuss a little bit about how they did it, and um, we'll move into Chelsea and or Chelsea and Liverpool and talk about Klopp a little bit and uh, that whole air that he's the vacuum he's going to leave in that Anfield stand and stadium, and uh, then we'll talk a smidge about um, some some transfer moves here because you know it's the final day today is uh thursday so um for those who are listening when it releases it'll be friday and then the door will be closed but um at least in european soccer it stays open a little bit longer i think in some other leagues as well but um we'll discuss some moves that had happened for the our obviously european teams and or excuse me premier league we don't talk about europe screw them um other than that let's hop right into the scores for our midweek mayhem i don't know where they went to i do have it right here actually uh forest lost one to two against arsenal that game was here's matt turner giving it to arsenal kind of <laughs> did it not matt feel turner, like that though matt turner was so bad that Nottingham Forest, within the within the the forty eight hours after that match, went out and got a goalkeeper after trying yeah. to get three other ones. Like that's how yeah. desperate they are for a goalkeeper. Um, they really I should have it. kept Kylo Navas. Like I know his wages are probably be way too expensive, yeah. but to to be honest, he's been probably the best goalkeeper they've had in the last you know two seasons, two and a half seasons they've been up. And, two seasons. And, and Matt Turner, I'll be honest, yeah, and I've said it a few times. I think he's the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League, and and I I'm a guy that that you know roots for him. But ever since he made that move to Arsenal, he hasn't he hasn't been good. And when he made the move to Nottingham Forest, he's been even worse. And, yeah, uh, you know it, it doesn't bode well for the U.S. Men's National Team as far as goalkeepers are concerned. I would agree with that, um, especially because I'm not sure who the Chelsea goalkeeper is that they bought. Guy the 
Yeah, I don't think he's quite ready yet. It's it's all yeah. it's Matt Turner or nothing kind of um for the states anyway. I can't remember the, the kid's name, but there's a kid actually, a goalkeeper that a young kid that plays for uh for Barcelona's academy. Um mm-hmm. that that I guess is you know, one of those ones that that they're you know, Tim Howard's uh talked about quite a bit. He's he's one of the ones I guess I keep an eye on, but my goodness, Matt Turner. What, what what is he doing? What is he doing? Full job. In fact, I think Arsenal, I don't know what Arsenal did with silver tongue wise to be able to sell um, Matt Turner for, I think it was what, 10, 12 million or something like that. Like that, worth yeah. that. He's worth like 500,000, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, he's, you a, do he's with a championship what, level goalkeeper, to be honest with you. That's what you he, think that's so. What he, you think he's even yeah. that? I, I, I think that's about where he is right now. Oh. Yeah. That's that's tough to hear as far as a United States men's squad loving fan. So um, moving on to the rest of the scores here. Fulham draw even 0-0 with Everton. That was a sleeper. Uh, my personal favorite was Luton Town beating the hell out of Brighton 4-0 at home. Adebayo scores a hat trick. Uh, did you happen to see how long this man's name is? Uh, I did actually, and I attempted it to read it out loud. Um, not my proudest moment. Uh, it sounded like I was having a stroke. So definitely, uh, definitely not quite the the name I'm gonna ever try to pronounce again. I I looked at it too, and I tried the same thing. I'm like, I don't even think I got most of those <laughs> syllables right. Yeah, a lot of O's. I, yeah, it was, <laughs> it's a lot. Um, Crystal Palace and Sheffield United. Crystal Palace won three to two. Aston Villa loses for the first time at home against Newcastle, one to three. Hated every minute of that match. Um, <laughs> moving on, I don't need to say anything more about that. Uh, Manchester City beat down Burnley three to one. Uh, a fiery match actually with Spurs and Brentford because Neil Mopé is a dirtbag. Uh, Spurs end up pulling through 3-2 to two against Brentford. Um, Liverpool 4-1 against Chelsea. Just dismantled Chelsea. We'll, we'll hop into that too. Uh, a final score for today, West Ham and Bournemouth draw 1-1. One one, and Wolves just put in a goal against United. It is 1-2. Oh, I'm sorry. It's 1-3. <laughs> it didn't refresh fast enough. <laughs> So it was one to two while I was reading it. Flipped it over real quick to see what hop happened. Um, Sarabia scored a pen to make uh, to break the nil score line, and then Scott McTominay five minutes later, four minutes later, put in a goal. So um, probably not pulling a win out of that one. Although Wolves are a pretty resilient team, um, and they have shown a little bit of life under Nuno. So we'll see what happens if they can. Draw it here at three to three if they can keep the score. Uh, that alive. Wolves team, uh, that that Wolves team. Uh, it's actually it's uh, 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 Gary O'Neill, um, mm. the the coach now. Yeah, New, no, you. But Nuno you know, hasn't been there for like three years. Four years. <laughs> good but God, he was good. what he world was am I living in? But uh, but Gary Gary uh, uh, Gary O'Neill, uh, dude is a hell of a coach, and uh, that team. This year, I mean, they've beaten Manchester City, they've beaten yep. Tottenham, they in, in comebacks like they're 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 a team that can stun you. Um, and they also beat Liverpool. No, 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 they tried. 
<laughs> they were up a goal, oh. I believe, against Liverpool. I think it was a 3-1 final. Uh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, so let's get right into our topics here. I'm just going to jump into Luton Town because the first thing on the list here. Uh, Luton Town, I, I really like this match because it showed a lot of progression for Luton Town and, and maturity as far as being able to go out and score in 19 seconds, then go out and score again like two and a half minutes. No, it was shorter than that. It's like 40 seconds later. And then Ben don't break defense because Brighton did have a few scoring opportunities uh, in that first half. They just couldn't convert. And then they go out and they score again later in that half. And then one more time. And Adebayor gets his hat trick. I don't know. Did you catch this match at all? Were you, uh, I, I got a little bit. I, got, okay. I definitely I rewatched the highlights uh, already, but um, I actually plan on going through all the matches once they get uh, once they get put up on Peacock. I like to go through the highlights and mm. make sure I didn't miss anything too. That's sure, a good. Sure. I'll tell you what, Peacock's up their their game on the uh, on the app. It's it's yes. fantastic now. I um, agree. They do a really honest, good job of um, releasing their own stream immediately like if they're they the did. ones that are streaming it there it's like within a couple hours boom up there if they it's did. on like usa or nbc it takes like another day it takes like the next 20 hours for them to <laughs> load it up i don't know why but i guess it's it's usually something I... they do a good um they do a good good uh replays they do good mm -hmm. with the, like like 95 percent of their content some really good stuff um, so definitely, if, if anybody listening hasn't hasn't checked it out, definitely go ahead and um, uh, check out you know the stuff now on Peacocks. It's it's very very good. Well, I was um, even saying when the World Cup was happening and Fox was doing their highlights, it's like two and a half to four yeah. and a half minute long highlights, and I'm like, how do you fit almost 110 minutes of yeah. of playtime into four and a half minutes? What do you mean? Oh yeah. And at least with NBC and Peacock, they like extended out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at Woodsy's getting mauled by his dog. Um, they get they Peacock extends it out for like 10 to 15 minutes. So at least you get a comprehensive highlight. And I love it. So even even if you watch it on YouTube, uh definitely subscribe to their um subscribe to their channel to be able to get more comprehensive video watching if you don't already just watch the full games like we do because we're nuts on that but um turning back to Luton um what was your from what you had seen what what did you see that Luton did really well or ex how they exposed Brighton I I mean the Luton really likes to turn you know they play similar a little bit to the way Brighton like to play. They like to play an up-tempo, um, you know, progressive match, try to get the wingers involved at Dowdy and guys like that. It's 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 one of those, you know, they're a fun team to watch despite them being one of the ones that we all expected to go down. You know, sure. they, they don't have a star player. I mean, you can say Adebayo is for the most part. but What are you really talking about? They have Ross Barkley. <laughs> yeah. He's a star. Yeah, mercy, mercy side, uh, mercy side doesn't really think fond of uh, <laughs> of uh, Ross Barkley. Well, yeah. either side, to be honest with you, either side. Um, yeah, it but no, it, it's but they're not like 
they're not going to overpower you in any single way. You know, they're, they're going to find different ways, but they're going to do it, it with the same tactical ability that they've been, you know, all season. So they want to go quick. They want to be up tempo. They want to be able to counter you. They want to, uh, you know, take advantage of the open space or take advantage of the open space um, when they do have the ball at their feet. It's always kind of been there when they don't have the ball, how are they, you know, going to be mm-hmm. able to cope? That's that was always kind of one of their their weaknesses. Um, they did a fantastic job, I, I thought, shutting down uh, Brighton defensively. Uh, you know, as as much as we want to talk about them scoring four goals, I thought defensively they were outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a team that you know their their captain Tom Lockyer has just been cleared to, uh, you know, return to the uh, not, maybe not to the the team, but he's returning to the um, you know the training grounds um, to start you know solo workouts and stuff like that. So it's a team that doesn't have their captain. They've, they've already, you know, they're, they're not, they're not going to be able to get anybody in the transfer window. They're, they're playing with what they have. Yep. Um, and I'm shocked that they're actually able to make it work the way they are. Um, they, they handed it to Brighton. They really did. And, and it's kind of almost a blueprint as to how to play Brighton. Um, Adebayo I thought was fantastic. Um, the guy, I don't think it's going to be his last hat trick. I can, I can tell you that right now. I don't think he's, he's going to be, um, one of the guys that, that will fall off, you know, the cliff, the way a lot of guys do, you know, when we talk about Joshua King and guys, guys that have gotten, you know, hat tricks and stuff like that in the past that are on one of those teams that we expect to go down. Um, this dude's different. This dude's different. And he's big. Um, Oh God, he's a beefy boy. Maybe not as good as I'd expect for a guy that big. Um, I think that's something he can definitely get better at. But, um, yeah, they're a fun team to watch right now. They're sneaky good um, when it comes to, uh, you know, getting goals in quick uh, quick succession as well. Because yep. not only did they do it against against Brighton, but look what they did at the end of that, that game against Chelsea too. Same type of same type of, of way they wanted to play. And it was only the last 15 minutes of the game. You know, they finally were like, all right, let's, let's go. And, um, you know, they, they almost came back and won that one. But. I, I gotta say they're they're surprising the hell out of me, um, but if I'm taking anything away from this game, it's how awful Brighton were. Um, yeah, they were they were by far the the most shocking thing uh, out of that game. Defensively awful. Uh, they had a couple injuries. Um, I know Milner went down. I believe Jao Pedro might have gone down as well. Um, I I, I, it looks like he might be back sooner rather than later. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, that's a uh, an interesting interesting way these two teams are going to end up to, to play out of this game. Like how you don't expect Brighton to give up four again the next week. Right. And, and we don't expect Luke to score four the next week. So it's, it's an interesting game and in how I think, you know, both teams are going to be coming out of it. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think Luton town have, it was nice for the fans to see a four nil victory and to be able to handle one of the big boys and, put them away handily. Uh, I definitely agree that their the defense and the camaraderie with wanting to hold a, a very powerful team as in Brighton um, to a nil scoreline definitely showed they played very narrow. And when I mean narrow, they protected the center of the pitch. So it makes it harder for teams to pass in there. And that the only way that be, they would be able to be beaten is through crosses or trying to get to the byline to kind of chip it towards the six yard box. And Luton did a really good job of just trying to, they stuck to a game plan and it worked. 
and it worked really well for them. They also did something that I didn't notice them doing beginning in the beginning of the season, which was uh, counter pressing up high. Like they 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 really did what Brighton liked to do, and that's the same thing. Brighton typically liked to counter press high and make you have turnovers in your own half. And Luton, it seemed like for every uh, every Brighton player, there was two Luton Town players on that person at all times, and it was insane. And Brighton couldn't find they couldn't find themselves out of a wet paper bag. That's how bad Brighton <laughs> were playing. It was it was. It was really tough to watch, but honestly, Rob Edwards, head nod to you. That's a you did an extremely good job in handling Brighton. And Adebayor, uh, he's on a scoring streak. He scored last match as well. He's got four goals in two games. I agree. I think he's a very big guy. He's only 26 years old. If he can find his body movements around the pitch, I really think he could blossom into something bigger than what he is now. Um, I I also commend Luton for um, getting more than 12 points. So they beat my true-false a long time ago. I said that they would only get 12 points. They're at 18. You know what? That puts them 17th right now. They are out of the relegation zone. So I think that's something else to really, like, hang your hat on if you're a Luton fan. We're not we're – not, first off, we're not last – and we aren't in the drop zone either. Yeah. They're probably going to keep playing back and forth with it. But if they give themselves a chance to, you know, on the final match day, be able to stay up, anything is possible with this team. Yeah. And I, I would even add to your point too. They're saying that the, this team has probably, had a, if you look at all those teams down there in the relegation, probably 16th down, 17th, 15th down they probably have the most momentum out of all those teams. Oh, heck so, yeah. So that's, and they're coming down to a stretch where, you know, you got a lot of teams uh, up upwards, you know, on the table that you can probably upset because they're, they're playing in other competitions. They're playing in Europe. They're playing in FA Cup. Yep. And Luton, for the most part, if I'm not mistaken, they're out of all those competitions except for one. Most so, I, I, like, it's, it's, it's a very good spot for them to be in right now. And it's, it's surprising as hell, to be honest with you. I mean, I like it. It gives a little more parity to the league, and it's it's not just like oh, we can just walk all over the bottom, excuse me, bottom five teams, and it's they're an easy three points. They're not. In fact, Luton, um, in their last few matches, I I don't know the exact number, but in their last few matches, they've only lost by like one goal, and they've done exceptionally well at home. Now it's yeah. like what what can they do away? That is that is the problem. Um, in their last five, they've done better than like eighty percent of the league here. They've picked up uh, ten points so far, which is pretty darn good for a bottom half team. So yeah. hopefully, we'll see more success out of them in the coming time, and maybe they'll stay up. That'd be a really Cinderella story, personally. And I, I think yeah. that'd be. That'd be nice for them to see here. Um, we'll uh, shift gears here, and we'll move on to the Liverpool Chelsea match, which is another thing I like to, another game I'd like to talk about in this one because I think there were a couple of um, missed opportunities for VAR in this match, and um, as much as Paul is it Paul Tyranny was the match official for this, right? 
And as much as he gets a lot of shtick from Liverpool fans and the city alike, uh, he kind of did him a favor this week. I felt that way. I'm gonna disagree. I, I'm even going off of what I'm going off of what Keith Hackett says and guys like that. It's, so I guess the the Gallagher one. We'll go. We'll start with the first one. The Gallagher sure. one. But, um, people are saying he gets taken down by Virgil Van Dyke. Um, that one. So that one was that was that was pretty clear from from uh, the professional that I'm reading from. Um, I I thought it was a dive first thing I saw it. Um, they're saying there's not enough contact. Um, they're saying he goes down way too easy. Um, the second one, uh, I, I would say probably the third one, maybe. I mean, the, you, can, you can look at the Jota one as well, the Jota penalty. I thought that was pretty clear. Stepped oh, on him. Totally down. I that was no, that uh, one is I, – I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. He got he got his – he got in front of Badia Shield. Badia Shield. And Shield, then he got his foot stepped yeah. on. That's a foul. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the the Gallagher and Kaiseido? Right? No, Cuckoo. Yes, those two. And I know, I know the re- the reason why the Nkunku one, why why I'm okay with that decision. In is it because you're a Chelsea Liverpool players, fan? That would that could be one. <laughs> but, but the thing is that I that pissed me off, and I told a couple of Chelsea fans this as well. Is like I, I'd be embarrassed if I was them, um, because the entire match there were there were five instances. If you if you want to count them all, five instances where Chelsea players were throwing their asses to the ground, looking for a pen or looking for a call. Sure. And to be honest with you, that fifth time. That Nkunku one that actually is a pen, you're not going to get that call anymore. You're not going to get not. that call. You're, you're begging for it the whole game. You get cards for it for diving. Yep. Uh, ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell. Yep. How can you call yourself a captain and dive like that? Um, but I thought that was embarrassing. And you know what? They they don't deserve that one. If you're fool me once, shame on you. Try to fool me four times and I catch it every every single time. That fifth one, guess what? You're not getting that one. You're not getting that one. And that's that's I I. I, I could not be – I felt embarrassed for them, and I couldn't give a crap about Chelsea. You know, like I felt embarrassed for their fans because that was dreadful from them. They First off, I don't want to hear the referees when you're already down. By the time that Nkunku one happens, you're already down 3-1. Game should have been 6-7-1 at that point. You know, like it's not even – Well, not I mean, if we count all the Nunez crossbars yeah, – I mean, Nunez had had more crossbars than they have shots on target. Okay, so there's yeah, actually that was pretty. I heard that stat. I think it was like the 63rd minute or something like that. Or yeah, uh, yeah, somewhere around there. It was 20 shots to two. Yeah, and 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 I thought Darwin, to be honest with you, for for, for the game that he had, honestly, I thought he was I thought he was pretty damn good. He provided an assist as well. Um, so I know people are still crapping on Darwin. Oh, you you had all these chances, you didn't score. He's the only player in the league right now outside of Erling Holland that's getting those chances. He's the only guy. He's creating his own chances. Like this, his movement off the ball is better than Erling Holland's, and that, I don't think that's a stretch of the imagination whatsoever. Um, Holland Holland doesn't have to do much to get a good delivery. This guy's creating his own spaces, getting in behind, finding ways in between center backs and fullbacks, creating for himself and for others. And, and yeah, he may not have the finishing touch right now. Maybe that might might never happen. But I would still take every single one of those chances he's going to create outside of, you know, most strikers in the league who can't really create their own chances, uh, can't really, you know, provide for others. He's the only guy in the world right now that has 11 and 11. He's got 11 goals and 11 assists. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to trade him for the world. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as those VAR call, calls go and decisions and stuff like that, um, I, I don't think they got any of them really wrong. And, and, and that, that the, the Nkunku one as well, I mean, that's, that's one of those, is it a clear and obvious error? It's, it's not, it's just clearly not. Um, that's, that's, that's the last part of the equation that you need is clear and obvious. And it's just not clear and obvious. Um, and you consider Mudrick going to the ground, Chilwell going to the ground, Gallagher going to the ground, Madweke going to the ground. I mean, at, at some point, at some point, you have to just say that you, you're, we're not going to get these calls because we keep trying for this. And it's it's just not going to happen that way. And that's, that's just how Chelsea was yesterday. And they, to be honest, it should have been 9-1 final. Um, it really should have been. So I actually didn't think about the fact that once it got to the Nunkunku, uh no call, where um, Paul Tanner didn't call that a foul in the box. I didn't think about the fact that they that was the fifth opportunity for them to fall in the box like that, and they're, they're less likely to call it. Yeah. Um, and as an on-field official, that makes sense. But in a VAR standpoint, I don't understand. They should be taken out. But- of but again, that it's not fact. clear and obvious. It's not a clear and obvious error. See that contact and the way he goes to the ground and throws himself to the ground, that's embellishment. All fouls are embellishments. Have you seen how many times people roll on the floor? I know, but he doesn't even roll the right way. <laughs> oh, is that what it comes down to? They need so what I'm you're saying, saying is that saying. Chelsea fa- is what Chelsea needs to go into the next day today and needs to go on the gym floor on the gym floor and learn how to roll properly on the fouls. Yes? I'm just saying no, no. What I'm saying <laughs> I'm is, just what I'm saying I, is if, I get but 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 that's that's the conversation out there that's that's going on. And I and I, I don't think like it's you really understand that 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 the referees are interpreting the, the game as a whole right now. And I think that's I didn't even really realize how a lot of that stuff was being played out. Um until I watched the game back. I was like, holy shit. There's there we're already looking at the fifth guy on the ground now. And and it's three three. It's three to three. Wolves just put in two goals. Max Kilman put in the 85th minute. And Pedro Neto in the 96th minute put in a goal against Manchester United, making it three to three. Oh no! Oh my goodness, what a heartbreaker! Right now, I've only got it. I don't know how it happened here. Um, one minute later, United has put in a fourth. You're kidding me. It's uh, Manu. Manu. Yeah. Wow. What a wicked game. If this wasn't on TV, I'd be watching it right now. Because if I yo-ho it, it's going to stop and start, and I don't need that nonsense right now. Wow. On this one? How do you score it? I don't know. I can't tell you because I'm not watching it live. No, they put it up as a – well, so far, there's no um, stat correction right now. Yeah, I'm sure they – again, I don't know how it happened, so – I can entirely say. I know right now my old head coach, Will, he is sweating bullets right now. But anyway, um, I forgot what you were saying. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I I was just kind of peeking over here every now and then. Um, I think it was about VAR taking it as a whole 
yeah, the so, game so, as a whole, so then they're not able to make it won't be as clear and obvious as it would. Correct. Yeah, and I I think the a lot of the and the, it's mainly just talking about the Chelsea players because I, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a game like this all year where where the officials I felt like I felt almost sorry for them the way they're trying to be conned into making certain calls. Um, well, so they're taking specialties from um, Sterling. Sterling is one of those. The biggest, uh, I want to call him a flopper, artist of yeah. falling down in the box. Shit, shit housery. <laughs> there you go. That actually is exactly what it is. Um, I want to step to Connor Gallagher because I think that one actually, personally, I think both of them are pens. And if I was, if I was a fan for Chelsea, I would be wanting that and i mean i'm not and i still think it's excuse me if it happened to an aston villa player i'd be wanting a, a pen as well this is what i'm trying to say actually not that i want to be a fan for chelsea point is um if virgil van dyke's leg is not there Connor gallagher gets to that ball there is an opportunity for him Allison to get Becker to that ball first i'm not i don't disagree with that but i think that <laughs> he makes an opportunity to get to that ball, but it is now impeded because he has to go through a leg. I think that's a foul that if that happens outside of the box, that's a foul. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's enough. I don't think there's enough contact to go to the ground. I really don't think there's enough contact. To go there to the ground. is a meaty man's leg that Connor Gallagher has to go. He's already him. around him. He's already around no, him and, no his feet and then he throws himself to the ground after the contact is already there. And he knows, he can't get to that ball. He can't get to that ball. There has been he's got, pens he's got called for team. less. I think that's a penalty. There has. There absolutely has been called I for less. I think that's a penalty. And I think I, the – I don't know. Was it Virgil van Dyke again that hit Nakuku's foot? Yeah. I don't remember. I, I also think that is – because we see plenty of people getting their feet stepped on outside of the box, and that's called a pen. And that's not called a pen, obviously. I'm sorry. It's called a foul. <laughs> Happens in the box. But again, I think you're right with the fact that it's been a buildup of all these dives and all these, you know, play acting in the box that the, Paul Tierney and VAR just overlook it. And they're just like the thing is, the thing is, one one team needed to do that yesterday in order to have a shot at winning. One team. Oh yeah. No, let's not look over the fact that um, Liverpool absolutely dismantled. Chelsea here. They Chelsea had no answer to what Liverpool were handing to them. It they were I hold on. I want to look at the stats for the the that match as far as possession and everything goes. Give me just a hot minute. Um so ball possession was 50-50. Uh expected goals though take the caveat of um the penalty, so that's like a, a point nine. They ended up with essentially a two-goal expected, 28 shots, 13 on target, four big chances, two of them missed because, well, Darwin Nunez. Yes. Um, and they slightly, they actually had less passes, more corners. Just want to see something real quick here. Um, oh, here we go, duels. 53 duels won, 
ground duels, they won 56% of the ground duels. And that's exactly what it felt like, too. Like, it, every time it felt like that Liverpool, like much like Luton, it was for every player that was on Chelsea, there was two Liverpool players on there. And the passing was, it seemed dreadful. Always an arid, an arid pass. Arid? Aaron? I don't know Aaron? how that one works. <laughs> um, pass from Chelsea that would land in Liverpool's feet to be able to turn it over to counter. It just, nothing was working for Chelsea. And the fact that they got a goal was just a crapshoot. It was that it was, enough. It just happened. <laughs> so, and I would, uh, even, I would even add that if if Zabavlai and and Connor Bradley weren't taken off literally two three minutes before that right. goal, it's probably it's probably still you know there's probably not a goal there for Chelsea. I thought those two defensively were really good on that side. Yes, I totally um, agree. But the midfield in general, um, ran. Alexis McAllister. Absolutely, has to be in there for signing of the season. No mm. offense to all the other guys that are that have you know had a really good season, but the guys playing out of position for what most people think is out of position, playing a six when he's you know he was a, a ten and an eight for the most point when he's playing at Brighton. Um, but he's coming here and he's he's statistically one of the best number sixes in the league. He's probably only behind Rodri um, on defensive stats. Um, it's unreal how good this guy is playing. Absolute game manager. He won, I believe he won almost all of his challenges against Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez yesterday. Um, I think he only lost one. Um, he was absolutely brilliant. I think he lost maybe two two or three challenges the entire match. But uh, I thought a $35 million midfielder outdueled a 225-pound midfield. Unreal. Unreal how, how good he was yesterday. Um, as good as Connor Bradley was, and Connor Bradley was really the talking point. Um, as good as he was, and he was absolutely brilliant. I thought Alexis McAllister, Dominic Zavazai, um, I, I would even say Ibrahima Kanate as well. Those those three stood out for me as as guys that were absolutely incredible. And 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 to be honest with you, if it was if we were doing team of the season right now, I think that I, I would have to have Ibrahima Kanate in that team of the season. I think he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, in my opinion, the best, the second best center back in the league uh, behind Virgil van Dijk. And, and those, those two right now, and as much as Arsenal fans, I know, I know Rep would be combating me right now, but as much as, as he you know, should want to want to say Salib is better. He's not, he's, he's just not um, whether it's the stats or the eye test. He's just not, um, Ibrahim Akanate is probably one of the top two or three defenders in the world right now. That's how good this dude's been playing. Um, absolutely solid at the back, solid aerially. Um, Liverpool have the, the I think it's uh, the highest aerial duel win rate in Europe right now. Uh, it's Those two are incredible the way they've been playing. Um, as long as they're healthy, uh, I don't see us giving up more than maybe – two goals in a game against, you know, like Man City or somebody like that. I don't see us giving up a lot of goals. Um, th those two have been absolutely best defensive record in the league, um, best dual win rate, uh, best aerial win rate. Uh, it, it, it all adds up to – they're passing. Have we mentioned they're passing? Because they – to be honest with you, Kanate probably could have had two assists yesterday too. Um, that I thought that was absolutely under the radar. Um, but, yeah, they – 
that was one of the more complete displays I've seen from this Liverpool team all year. Probably, uh, probably the best since that that Newcastle game start of the month, uh, that where they just annihilated Newcastle. Um, I, I would say this is probably the their their second best you know match of of twenty twenty four so far. So, um, yeah, I don't see them stuttering right now, and and I think you know with you know if you want to get into the Jurgen Klopp. Uh, uh, end of the road type type uh you know season that he's gonna have here where where they're, they're trying to send him off i think it only adds more fuel to that 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 fire right now and, and yeah i was gonna I jump into the stop i'm sorry guys this is a kind of a heavy liverpool um and it's not because woodsy's on it's just the way it worked out with liverpool absolutely dismantling um chelsea and couple VAR things and also because we never talked about Klopp because it happened at a, a, a weird time. So um, for those of you who haven't heard, Jurgen Klopp will see out the remainder of the season and then he's going to retire from Liverpool. That doesn't mean he's going to leave football in general, but he's definitely not coming back to Europe. At, he's not coming back to England, I should say, excuse me, as he had said, he is, is Liverpool till he dies and that's it. So we will not see this man in England ever again. So enjoy him while he lasts. But um, do you, I, I know we've talked about this on the, on the chat, who succeeds Klopp? If you have to go out and pick somebody right now, who are you picking? Javi Alonso. It's gotta be Javi Alonso. Um, I, I think he's he's the most equipped, I think, for the job right now out of uh, the candidates. Um, you know, you look at the other candidates that are there right now, it's, it's you know, him, it's Deserby. Um, there's been rumored uh, Nagelsmann uh, uh, as an option since he will be out of the, the Germany job come summer. Uh, you know, there's there's some talks of, of some lower, low-keyer, you know, Potential guys, I, I'm not quite high on right now. I I, I don't know if there's really uh, a, a guy that you can kind of pinpoint outside of him that makes the most sense. Play style is quite similar to to the way Liverpool play. Um, might be a little, a few little adjustments, but he does like the you know the full backs kind of bombing down the down the sides. Um, I I think he'd be I think he'd be probably the best fit um, for Liverpool. I don't think Deserby is. As much as you know, people really like the way he, um, you know, coaches and, and manages a team. I, I don't think he's quite ready for for this yet. Um, I think Thomas Frank probably is a better option than him. Uh, That's an interesting he, take. He's, yeah, I, I think he's probably the the better one. Um, that that I, if I'm looking to win right now, probably go with Thomas Frank. Um, if I'm looking to, you know, develop players and and develop young young talent. Um, which Liverpool is set up for right now. I mean, you look at a lot of the, the squad. You know, you got a you got a 22 year old Dominic Zabazla. You got a 20 year old Connor Bradley. Trent's only 25. Darwin's 25, 24, or whatever. Like, I can see where people are going with with Deserby because he does fit a lot of the credentials. Um, but I, I think it's no matter what, it's got to be it's got to be Javi Alonso. Uh, unless hey, unless you can pry, you know. Pep Guardiola and get him out of the 115 charges they got facing them right now. I mean, there's a 
open door right there, my friend. There's a team in red and Merseyside that will take in a heartbeat. Um, they wouldn't yeah, even I, have to move very far either. For people who don't wouldn't. know geographical uh, layout of of England, um, United or United, yeah, the whole it's the whole city of Manchester is called United. Anyway, um, Manchester's like twenty minutes down the road. It's not that far. He could that's, still live in Manchester if he wanted to, and then drive to Liverpool. My tinfoil hat theory is that they they you know talk to his representatives and kind of give you know feel him out and see what he's see what he's thinking. Uh, but yeah, Xabi Alonso is the way to go. The the sporting director is going to be the big uh, the big thing for me because I, I like to have familiarity, whether it's between the coach and the sporting director or the sporting director and the club. Yeah. One of those two have to have some some type of familiarity. Um, so you look at the guys like Tim Steiden uh, from West Ham, was previously at Leverkusen. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the one that brought in Javi Alonso to Leverkusen, signed guys like Julian Verts, signed uh, 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 Edmund Tapsaba, Piero Hincapié, uh, sold players like Musa Diaby. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he did a lot Leon to, Bailey. to that. Yeah. Did a lot to make that, that club, what, what it is now. They went from, from, you know, never Kusin to Leverkusen basically is what, what he, what he did. So, um, I think that's, that's a name to keep an eye on. Obviously Michael Edwards, former, uh, sporting director at Liverpool, uh, stepped away uh, a few years back. I think he's another one that, that the fact that there's already, you know, uh, uh, concrete evidence that they're trying to bring him back mm-hmm. and that he would listen, I think is something that, that kind of sparked my brain a little bit. Cause I, I, that's the guy I would want. Um, he's my number one choice guy already. He's, he's actually, I don't know if you know this, but he, he's actually a, a part shareholder now in, in uh, Bolton, uh, <laughs> Bolton Wonders, uh, Cause it's his company that he's, that he's uh, working with right now. Ludonomics. Uh, is a you know sporting company that basically takes data and statistics and and that's how they basically bring in players and sell players and mm-hmm. you know find out what players work best for their system. So that's the company he's running right now. And I'm, you know after <laughs> leaving Liverpool, he's basically doing the same job, but is able to you know kind of expand his horizons to go to all mm-hmm. these different clubs. So. Ian, Ian Graham is another one that works that works there with him. Those two, oh, Ian sure. Graham ran the Ian Graham ran the data department for Liverpool for for what? years. Um, but those two together are putting are looting on it. Ludonomics, I think, is the name. I can never say it, uh, but it's it's an interesting. If you ever want to, you know, fun little thing to research one day, it's, it's that. Um, so those are the two names I think for sporting director that you, you definitely got to keep an eye on. Familiarity. Both of them, whether it's with the you know possible Javi Alonso coming in with Steiden, or Michael Edwards who has a familiarity with FSG, um, those are the <coughs> excuse me, those are the two uh, options there. Obviously, there's there's other ones out there that um, there's a couple from Germany, um, there's a couple uh, uh, from the Premier League as well. Naturally, uh, I I think it's going to end up being something that gets announced relatively soon. I would say probably by the beginning of March. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, you think that early, huh? I, th- I think it has to be. So the reason why you want it done that, that early, as far as that position goes, because that that's something that you can get through to the agents of the players you're trying to get contracts with. So what is the, what is the idea? 
what are you trying to pitch to these guys? Because you got Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil Van Dyke, Mo Salah, all up uh, contracts are up at the end of the 2025 season. So you got to bring all three back, in my opinion, bring all three back. I mean, at, at worst, you maybe sell Mo Salah for a ludicrous amount of money to Saudi, right? Yeah. So I would say you, you probably bring at least two of the three back. I would bring back all three. Um, but what that does, too, is all the guys that just came in, all the guys that have contracts coming up after that, it's a little bit of familiarity and, and solidarity in what the plan is going forward. Because the plan under Jurgen Klopp is, is easy. It's there. It's Jurgen Klopp. He's the plan, yeah. you know, like. There's not much outside of the best coach in football, arguably the best coach in football, wanting to bring you in or wanting to keep you and wanting you in his team. Easy pitch. Easiest pitch on the planet right now. Now that that's not the case, what's the pitch to get somebody to Liverpool, to keep somebody at Liverpool, mm-hmm. to to make them you know, the destination that they were under Klopp? That's that's the thing that, that I think is in the, the back of a lot of fans' minds right now or should be in the back of a lot of fans' minds. Because it's the only part of the the puzzle that's uncertain right now. Um, everything else is in place. The players uh, that you just brought in at the club, uh, you know, you have a lot of youth uh, coming through with Bradley and Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, I mean, guys, a Virgil Van, D- Van Dyke regen. Dude's incredible. Um, there, there's a lot of positive there, but the uncertainty with, you know, who's coming in for the coach, who's going to be the sporting director, what's the goal for the next couple of years. That's, that's where I think definitely it's, it's, you know, questionable at best right now. I will agree with you on that. Um, making a pitch to players who they're going to try to bring in is now going to be inevitably harder because now there's no Klopp and Klopp, it, like you said, it's, here's Klopp. Here's what we've done. Here's our track record. Come yeah. join us kind of deal. There's, it's bing, bang, boom, easy. Um, I have two things. One, I'm a little annoyed that Ludonomics has nothing to do with Ludacris. So that bothers <laughs> me. I think Ludacris needs to get involved with that. Uh, two, um, oh, crap. It was actually, that was the important one. Um, give me a second. <laughs> Oh, got it. Uh, whoever decides to take that job for from Klopp, it's they might have a. It might be a rebound period, is what I'm trying to say. And it might be like what happened with Arsenal, and they had Arsene Wenger forever, and that's all they knew. And then they brought in Unai Emery, and he did well, and he did well with a subpar team. But they were so spoiled. Fans and staff alike were so spoiled with Arsene Wenger that anything that was going to be short of a trophy was not successful. And that's what could happen with what uh, whoever's going to be the successor for Liverpool. They have to win a trophy within two, three years. Or it's they're done. It's gone. They're, they will write you off. And I, I think somebody like Alonzo has the opportunity to be able to transition there and be successful because of the track record he's had at Bayern right now, uh, Leverkusen anyway. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be extremely hard for whoever comes in. And I actually – so here's the weird thing. As, as 
crappy as this is going to sound, I actually wouldn't mind them bringing in Deserby. And then if if it all fails, then they go out and sign Alonzo. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's their rebound person. Do you know? Like, I, there's I nothing wrong. If, if Deserby does great, then Deserby does great. But then if Deserby does bad, then you didn't really expect him to do good. Do you know what I, I mean? But, but the only thing is that that would never be the route they go because they. No, of course not. One, one they have the the you know the wherewithal to know that what what Arsenal did. They have that you know they've learned from other clubs. The FSG isn't stupid. They're they're businessmen, which is what they are. And they have the people that they hired in certain you know areas that that you know will. I will admit they they do they are meticulous in their manner. Yeah. In their hires and transfers, and even even um, Fenway, Fenway is the organization here. We're talking about FSG. Um, even when it comes to the baseball side, too, they they do it. They're very meticulous on who they bring in. I mean, I I'm not a Red Sox fan, and Rhett can say more to that. But like the managers that they have brought in have been all right with the players that they have at hand. And the budget that they're given, baseball is a little bit harder with their budgets. I will say because it's a hard cap versus what no cap or it's sort of no cap but sort of cap at the same time. I don't know. It's extremely whack with it's, how it's budgets work. A, this this is more I think of a, like a, a pass the baton situation than it is a a total rebuild situation. That's what you're oh. doing because you you've got all these players you know that are that are. At the peak of, I mean, we're talking about a team right now that's that's on pace for a quadruple. Um, that I mean, we we've only there, there's only been one one team in the last however many years, you know, that that has actually been able to compete for a, a quadruple, you know, and and Klopp's basically done it twice. Uh, but now, like, this is one of those situations where I I don't think FSG are going to nitpick with what with what they can do. I think they're going to attack it because you got to consider this too is, is they're going to be able to spend this summer on Liverpool. So whatever, whoever the coach is, that's coming in, he's going to be able to assemble, you know, a, a squad with familiar players to what his game is. So let's say it is Xabi Alonso, Julian Verts, Piero Hincapié. Are those guys, Jeremy Frimpong, are those guys that come over? Hey, to, you don't you know, take him. Part of the integration of the uh, of, of the club there to, to you know help ease things over a little bit. You never know because um, remember they they still have that that so called Moises Caicedo money that they uh, still haven't spent. So we'll see what we'll see what happens with with the summer. But um, I, I I just can't see them having a drop off mm. that big and, and and being able to to necessarily afford a drop-off. So I, I think they're going to do all things necessary to continue on what they have, but I think it's going to be different from what they're doing right now. I think it's going to be more data-driven, which is why they wanted to bring Edwards back, which is why they're looking at a Tim Stiden. Uh They're looking at guys that are more data-analytics-driven than you know most, most sporting directors are. Like, let's say Man United, they don't even have a sporting director, but what they do is – they 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 see they buy they you know they see something they like oh it's nice and shiny and pretty they go buy it Manchester City oh there's a nice you know young player out in South America let's go buy you know like that's that's basically how how a lot of the clubs in in the Premier League do it you know yep 
Liverpool don't operate like that. They operate like a mid-table team that are able to, you know, maybe every now and then afford a little bit more. You know, they're 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 buying guys, you know, Cody Gakpo for 35 million, Mo Salah for 39 million, and uh, Sadio Mane for 30 36 million. That's that's their range. I mean, Andrew Robertson, eight and a half million on basically what is a swap deal. That's the type of of deal that this club is trying to get through. It's not so much the the big, you know, earth shattering deals um, that that a lot of the the bigger clubs are. You know, you look at Manchester City as with Liverpool, you know, spending 35, 36, 40 million dollars on a player and continually doing that. Man City is more 50, 60, 70 million on a player and continually doing that. You know, Laporte. Guardiol, uh, John Stones. Um, uh, I mean, you look at the majority of the, I mean, the goalkeeper as well. You look at the majority of the players uh, for City and, you know, obviously Liverpool have spent with Virgil van Dijk and Alisson Becker and, um, uh, you know, Dominic Zabazlai was 60 million. Yes, they've spent, but it's, it's not quite the spending that most people think it actually is. When our back line is basically, is essentially – you know, 120 million pound back line when you really think about it. You know, Virgil van Dyke, 75 million pounds. I believe Kanate was 35 million pounds. So 110 million pounds, something like that. Uh, so I, I think it does come down to whoever the, the sporting director is. That's that's basically what I think is going to end up being the, the hero, be all end all with, with how Liverpool go forward. So I'm going to throw some names out to you. Um, yeah. They're current. They're currently employed. They're currently employed. That's what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you tell me yay or nay as okay. far as possible I like, opportunities. I like this game. All right. Um, Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> no. No way. Would not have him at all. Uh, Massimo Allegri. No. Juventus. That's right. I'd stay away from him all day, every day. Uh, Luis Enrique from PSG. Uh, I'd say no as well. I'd say no. Really? I thought that one would be the one that'd be like, oh, okay, I could agree with that one. He's... Yeah, as a as a third or fourth, fifth choice fallback, yeah. But <laughs> there's not much there that's really going to intrigue me as far as if I'm if I'm already on the squad, it's, there's nothing going to intrigue you there. Um, do you remember the the head coach for Lens, where they like were dead last, and then he so Frank. Oh, his, his name is French, so I'm going to butcher this the hell up. Frank ha- Haas? Hassi? Hassi? Sorry, guys, I don't speak French, and I'm not good at French translation. Sorry. It's, uh, as Randy Jackson would say, it's a no from me, dog. That's fair <laughs> enough. No, I'm not on that one either. So a lot of these clubs I've been picking that are at the top of the table. Um, OG Nice is at the top of the table for League One. Um, Francisco Farioli. <laughs> Probably not as well. No, I'm just going to throw it out um, there. No, nah, I'd say no on that one. Um, Fair enough. This is probably – this will be the last one, and this one would probably be the closest to what who Klopp is as a manager as far as intensity, and it's Diego Simeone. Yeah, I would take him. Yeah, I okay. would. That's fair. I, I don't that. blame you. Diego Simeone is one of those guys who's been kind of forgotten about because he's yeah. been at Atletico Madrid forever. And he's always had issues with Griezmann. It's just 
I think he's still a really good coach, head coach, uh, manager, excuse me. They've got him third right now. I was going to throw out the Granoa manager. Um, give me a second. I got it up right now. Oh, His name is just guy. Michelle. I, I, the, the, there's a few other guys that we, I would even – the Inter Milan manager, Zaghi, I think is one that – I was going to I was gonna say that, but, like, I didn't know how to pronounce his name either, so I didn't bother. Inzaghi yeah. <laughs> intrigued me a little bit. Um, I – I think his his ta- tactically, I think he's he's fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. There's been talks of of him. There's been talks of uh, uh, what's his Italiano. I, I don't really understand that one as much. Um, I think Inzaghi really would would be. I, I'd be interested in that one. Fair um, enough. Out of the out of the prem. I gotta be honest. I think when you said Thomas Frank, I, that one agrees with me more than if you wanted to make it more of a seamless transition. I think Thomas yeah. Frank's a good, a good manager who um, he's a very inspirational manager, and I think that his ability to be able to also chain make good substitutions, yeah, um, he operates is key. Quite similarly to Klopp. Uh, yes. He operates quite so. The the one that that people brand, brought have brought up to is is Klopp's right hand man, uh, uh, Pep Linders. Yeah, he took himself out of the the running today um, oh. for the position. So I, 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 to be honest, that would have, that would have been an intriguing one. I could have seen it happening, um, but I don't think Mike Gordon and and uh, you know FSG really would want to go that route with a guy that actually has not been a manager yet. Um, well, he has, but he hasn't been a good one for the most oh, part. He, yeah, he did. Uh, he did have a, a short stint, I believe, in uh, uh, I believe it was the Netherlands. Uh, he had a short stint Ooh, there. Speaking of Netherlands, how about uh, Louis van Hall? Nope, I knew you were gonna go there. Not a chance in hell. Virgil van Dyke hates him for the most part. So, oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Uh, That's funny. He, I'm pretty sure to the to. To this day, I mean, even with all the, the the Dutch players in the squad right now, there's quite a few Dutch players. Yeah, I wouldn't, are. I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. I got one. I I actually do have one last one, and I brought this up in the chat, so I already know what your answer is going to be. But I just want to pick it for other Liverpool fans who are out there listening, or even people who just want to listen in general. In fact, if you already haven't, please like and subscribe. We would love to have your input on um, what we talk about in general. I know, uh, gosh, I forgot his name. Is his name Jacob? Josh? Sorry, fuck. F, I mean, not F, not the other word. Um, we appreciate you commenting a bunch. Uh, Ruben Amorum from Sporting. Oh, from Sporting. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, that one's been brought up quite a bit, actually. I don't know if I'd be ready to go that route. I, if if I, here's the thing, if we if Liverpool was keeping, you know, guys like Matos, Vitor Matos, and um, a couple others from the from the analytics department, mm-hmm. Ruben Amarim would make sense. Um, I just don't know if FSG is willing to go that route yet. It's a it's a guy that, for the most most part, for a lot of the soccer world, is relatively unknown. I mean, I I've. I've watched a lot of a lot of his games. You know, Liverpool's actually been scouting Sporting quite a bit over the last yeah. uh, three or four years. Everybody uh, so does a lot of them. They, <laughs> yeah, they're they've got quite the uh, the 
the young talent coming through. I mean, you look at uh, Goncalo Inacio is, is the next big one. I think he's going to leave there. Um, so what yeah, people I, don't know about, if you don't already know, uh, the Premier League is kind of handicapped as far as who they can bring in because they have to pass work permits. Other leagues, when they bring in transfers, don't have that handicap, and they're able to just bring in players from anywhere without having a work permit. Um, Sporting's one of or the the Portuguese uh, league is one of those types of leagues. Um, I know um, the Bundesliga is also another one of those leagues where you're able to just bring in players without having work permits and stuff like that. Uh, that's what caps a lot of uh, teams in the Premier League and and down farther through the tiers is the the work permit handicap. So yeah. that's why a lot of uh, that's why you see you know Sporting and Porto and um, a couple other teams that I'm not going to be able to think off the top of my head um, have like these outrageous uh, transfer net gains where they're not. They're, they're just getting like they buy this player for 10 million from South America and then they sell them for 80 million to some European team or something like that. That's that's the whole that's how they get away with it. That's how they get more youth and more ability to get kids like that. But anyway, to your point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's actually a good point. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, MRM is an interesting one. Um, I know there's been talks about um, uh, I, I think Nagels, Nagelsmann is the one that always keeps coming back because Liverpool want a guy that's going to you know be able to do a project. Uh, they loved when he was at uh, uh, Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Um, they they absolutely fell in love with the guy there. Um, he actually has already coached guys uh, that Liverpool have. You look at you know Ibrahim Akanate. Um, he's coached him in the past. Um, Dominic Zabazlai, he's coached him in the past. So this is this is a guy that that already has a history with some of the players. And mm-hmm. you know, if there's any if there's two players on this entire roster that you want to keep the most, it's probably those two. Yeah, I'd um, say so. You know, they're they're both under the age of 25. They're both yep. probably the best, at least in the I would think in the league for Ibrahim Kanate, he's probably the best in the league at his position. There's there's a there's a good argument there to be had. Um, he's been that good. Um, so I would, I would say that, that he's the one to probably keep an eye on, especially considering he's, um, his job is, is, um, uh, going to be up with, with Germany, uh, come June. I think it's the end of the end of June or July 1st, something like that. Um, which also kind of coincides with who's going to be the next Germany manager of the world cup, perhaps Jurgen Klopp. So that would Um, be interesting. I, I think that's actually where he's gonna go now. I, I that'd be cool. I've been I think that would be so cool to see. Yeah, I mean he's he's talked about you know the the rigors of the of club football compared to international. I think if he's if he's gonna do it now is gonna be the time. Um, Bro, wouldn't it be so cool? So for people who don't know, World Cup is happening in the United States. Uh, wouldn't that be sick if he was the German head coach? the manager and then be able to see him in the United States. Oh, that's just or the possibility um, yeah. more so for Liverpool fans who 
if um, Germany ends up on the West Coast or South um, instead of the East. But, you know, okay. you guys are everywhere. So to rub uh, it wherever, in wherever it happens, some some Liverpool fan will be enjoying the fact that he is coaching, possibly coaching the German squad. Well, well, here's the thing, though, to rub it into Liverpool fans even more, that he, he is leaving and he could go to the Germany gig. He, Liverpool's coming to the U.S. this summer, so – Liverpool, oh. Man United, and Arsenal are all coming to the U.S. So no, could have been is a that chance. a part of the? Is that a part of the? Um, forget the the initiative that the no, Premier no. League did that you know? that you know Brighton and Chelsea Different. and Newcastle and them did last year. No, I don't yes. think it's part of that yet. I think it's going to gotcha. be a separate tour. Um, gotcha. From what I'm from what I'm uh, I'm you know been reading so far, um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate. There's a good chance we we probably don't see him <laughs> at all. It's tough. Um, Sorry for you, Liverpool fans. Kind of sucks, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping he kind of, you know, makes a U-turn and it's like, you know what? Screw it. I'll come back. I'll come back. This is pretty chill. I like this gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but, uh, it, it does. It does kind of suck that he's leaving. He he is modern day. He's a modern day Bill Shankly. Um, as much as people don't don't know much about Bill Shankly, or he he, that's what Jurgen Klopp is. Um, he goes down in the pantheon of great Liverpool coaches, but great Premier League coaches and, and great coaches in general, I think, uh, of all time. I mean, there's you look at the guy that just got hired by the Tennessee Titans in the NFL this past week, and mm-hmm. he's quoting Jurgen Klopp in his opening press conference. Steve Kerr, you know, the manager, or the the head coach of the uh, Golden State Warriors, quoting Jurgen Klopp in, in his press conferences multiple times. Um, the, his he's transcended his own sport. Um, that's how big of a coach he is. That's how big of an influence he is. Um, and the Premier League's going to miss him in, in, insanely, insanely uh, for what he's brought to the sport. Agreed. And you know who's going to fill that gap? Gio Reyna. Just kidding. He's not going <laughs> to do that. But transfers, as I said, the transfer window is most likely closed at this point. Um Gio Reyna, followed in the footsteps of Christian Pulisic. Uh, he did not land in such a high-profile club. He ended up, Gio, ended up landing in Forest, which honestly might be a better landing spot than Chelsea as far as um, getting opportunity to play. I'm not saying that development-wise it's better. I'm just saying because he can have the ability to be able to play more um, in. I think that this is going to be a good move for him. I think there's been a lot of uh, not speculation. What's the word? Um, he, he's kind of, it seems like he's outgrown his stay at Borussia. And I think that he needed a new change of pace. And I think there's still a little bit of, um, Burhalter hold, you know that whole Burhalter controversy that that's uh, still kind of hanging above his head because you know it happened in the World Cup and it, it's the largest um, sports tournament in the world. So I, I think there's a little bit of that I think he needs to prove that he's capable of doing it under the big lights in the Premier League. Um, I think this is a good move for him personally to be able to get out there and play 
and be able to get out there right away. I, I think he's just going to plug right in personally um, because he has to. Like, there's no two ways around it. He has to go out and he has to show that he's a genuine talent and uh, show the United States fan that fans that he is somebody to get behind and root for. Um, while I don't think Forrest are going to do well, I think he's going to do well. Um, how, how do you feel? Is it going to be a? Is it going to be a better? Is it going to be better than Pulisic when he transferred kind of deal? Um, I, I'm on the fence with the, with the deal. Um, I think, first off, I think it's a great deal for Dortmund. I thought they they were brilliant in getting this done. You sign him to another year onto his contract, so he's with with them. So in case he does do well here, I mean, there's more money for when you, you do eventually sell him. Yep. Um, the thing about Gio Reyna is his health. That's always been the question. Yeah. Um, I the talent is clearly there. Clearly yes. there. Um, I, I would probably say that that outside of Polisic, he's probably the most talented player the US has ever had. Um, I would say Polisic and then probably him. Um, for what he can do with the ball, what he can do to a team, um, how he Sorry. can influence games. What I, about I, Brian McBride? <laughs> <laughs> Josie Altador. No, God. no. I, I think I think Gio Reyna is quite possibly one of the most gifted uh, athletes the U.S. has had as far as men's soccer goes. Um, I, I I would even I would even say that that if if the injuries didn't impact his career thus far, I would say that he would probably have had a better career up at this point than Christian Pulisic. Um, I agree with that. I don't disagree. That that's a not that's not a hot take. That's a very um, well thought out take. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I I, lo I I love the guy's game. I I've been, you know, before a lot of the injuries came about when he was at Dortmund. I was kind of hoping Liverpool would be like, hey, let's let's just go get this kid. We got an American yeah, well. owners. Let's go get an American player. You know. Yeah. And uh, never never quite worked out. But this is a good deal for 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 Dortmund for him. It's it's one that I'm I'm kind of on the fence with. I want to see how it plays out. I want to see how Nuno will implement him into the squad because mm -hmm. you know you look at his his best position is where morgan gibbs white is going to end up playing so do they move him a little bit out further wide to the left do they do they maybe drop him a little bit deeper um almost like a 10 or an 8 type type uh uh player and have you know morgan gibbs white play off of him i i'm very intrigued as how it's going to go i i personally wanted him to go to real sociedad when that was one of the options I thought he would have been fantastic there. Mm -hmm. um, that's a club that you know is is very good going forward. Um, like you know, like to have a little bit of a, a creative spark up there too. So I thought he would have been a, a perfect one for them. And they're still in the Champions League, so I thought it would have been more um, more more reps likely for him being there with the extra games. Um, so that was my my original place that I wanted him to go. Fiorentina was another one that I thought would have been. Uh, interesting because they were they're technically I believe they're still playing in Europe too. Um but that's that's the other one. Uh it's it's an interesting narrative that's gonna be there for him the rest of the year. I, I just hope that he's not being influenced by people that are driving his career into the ground. Um mm. 
I'm and I'm I'm aiming this not so much at his father. I mean, I I, I think that's where a lot of people are going to go, but I aim it more at his at his agent, uh, George Mendez. I, I think that's the one, the one guy that that I've seen. You know, he's made some deals in guys' careers that have been, you know, incredible. But a lot of the deals you look back and think like, what's the what's the point behind behind this transfer? You know, and um, that's that's the guy that would probably, you know, bring questions about for me mm-hmm. um, outside of Geo's actual play and injuries, but we'll see how this works. I think it's, I think it's a, an interesting narrative for the end of the season. Another American in the premier league, hopefully this one's a little bit more successful than all the other ones of recent notes. So yeah, let's, let's see what happens. Well, I mean, there's still Tim Ream. Tim Ream has developed pretty well there. <laughs> yeah. And... But he can stand on two legs. Yes. <sighs> That's true. Because we obviously know that if he's got a broken arm, he'll still play. That dude's a baller. And I know I poo-pooed him on the uh, way early on in our in our podcasts, and I wasn't really a fan of him. And I apologize. I should take that back. I should be. In a, I should have been more of a fan. He's a high quality player, but we're not talking about him. Um, it's Gio Reyna here. What do you think his final stat line will be? at the end of the season here? Wow, that's that's actually a good, good question. Over, um, under, over under six goals, six and a half goals. I, to be honest, I think what he what he needs is over. What he'll get is under. Okay, um, so you're saying under. I'm um, go, um, I, I would probably say that his influence on the game isn't going to be necessarily in the stat line just because of how defensive – that Nottingham Forest team has to play. So I don't think the stats are going to be as, um, as you know, what they, what they were basically in Dortmund where his team does have the ball a lot of the time. We have to see if he, if he can defend now. That's, that's the big thing that I'm, I'm going to probably watch for is he's not going to have the ball really quick. Yeah. He's going <laughs> to learn real quick. He's not going to have the ball for, for 70% of the game. Like he was having at Dortmund and able to, yeah. to be on the ball and influence games the way that he has. He's he's basically got to be able to take his game to another level here, yep. uh, and it's it's more of developing a complete game instead of a one way game, which is what he has right now. He's he's not a guy that you expect defensively to be coming back and helping out, coming back oh. and and you know being support for for one of the other for the for you know the left back or something like that. Can he do that? That's where I think we'll see whether or not he's fully into this move. I think. Over under five assists, five and a half assists. I'm gonna go under again. I don't think they're gonna have enough of the ball. They got they got a tough lineup or a tough, uh, you know, outstretching games. I would say there. So there's there's not a a there's not a game on the schedule that I would say that he's definitely going to get a goal contribution. Uh, like I said, I think a lot of his comp- contributions are gonna be. Can he do stuff off the ball that we haven't seen? Um, I want to see him defend. I want to see him get back. I want to see him. Uh, I want to see him in transition. If we're talking offensively, I want to see him gather the ball, uh, you know, off a, a off an outlet. Yep. And and take a team into transition. Transition. Can he make the right pass? Can he can he be a guy that that is the uh, uh, connector from defense to offense? That's, I think, where a lot of his game is going to end up being. 
Um, we all know what he can do when his team has a lot of possession, uh, when his team is controlling a game. Uh, you know, he, he's that's where he's, you know, fed off before. I want to see him do stuff he's uncomfortable with because that's how he's going to grow as a player um, and develop. So I, I think that's that's where a lot of the the focus needs to be as far as U.S. national, US national team is concerned mm-hmm. and uh, just his career in general. So essentially a – a five and five stat line is excelling for him because essentially that, they have that would be they, extraordinary. In my they have fifteen match. There's fifteen match days left. Yeah, and to be able to do a five and five essentially means that he is doing something in at least seventy uh, percent of those. That is not proper math. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But at least he will be contributing to most of the games in the next coming matches. So I, I think if I think if you're looking at this, a five and five is a very good um, set point for him. Like that, that's excelling. I think yeah. his set point realistically three and three, and just being able to, like you said, come back, play defense, play, um, play that supporting role where you're able to come back and be able to help transition the offense. And I think that's definitely something that um, maybe Nuno was actually Nuno for Forrest <laughs> is uh, looking forward to doing with, with Geo here. Um, last and final bit here, VAR. We didn't talk about it enough today. We get to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, for the 20, the it's possible anyway, they still have to go into teams here. For the 24-25 season, VAR will be explained. The match day official will be able to explain what their call and the decision was. So essentially uh, what the NFL does in their on-field decisions. And we will have more clarity at that moment on why they made the decisions that they made. Uh, is this good, bad, indifferent? What do we feel? If that's what's actually happening, definitely. I mean, this is, this is extraordinary. This is, Amazing. Um, I didn't think they were actually going to go through with it. Is it is it confirmed that that's what they're doing? Or So that is what the PGMOL had put out there. I think it still has to get approved by club owners. Okay. So I, it's got to get I, voted on through them if they want that or not. I think the clubs, the clubs would be on it. I'm, I'm worried if the, the FA and the EFL would probably squash that. I, that's, that's, I, I I'm surprised the PGMOL went went forward with it. That's that I haven't seen that yet, but definitely, my goodness, that is a. I think they want to have more clarity, because uh, I don't think it's, it's, not the, it's the IFAB, the International Football oh, okay. Association Board. Yeah. So, but so um, I I think they would want to have this happen because I think people want to know what their decision, why they made the decisions that they made. And I think they're tired. They, they want more of what they're hearing, like two months later, like the whole Liverpool Arsenal handball in the box from Declan. I think it was at the moment. Uh, Odegaard. Odegaard. It was a blonde. No way. He's not blonde as in rice. Um, He is. I don't know. I don't pay attention to hair. I obviously don't have hair, so I don't pay attention to it. I'm already jealous enough. Um, 
see, that's why that's why refs are bald. They're just angry all the time. Anyway, um, as a fan, I'd like to have this too. I would like to be able to understand why they made the decisions that they made at the moment that they made them. Uh, will I think after a few seasons, people are going to get bored with it though. So, you know, like, oh, it's an exciting thing to hear about this. But then it's like, how will they, are they just going to add the explanation to stoppage time? Do you know what I mean? Because then they got to say what it was. Or are they going to, is VAR going to radio it into the announcers so they are the ones that are saying it? Personally, I think that might be the best case scenario. I, I think there's something similar in, in rugby. I'm not quite 100% positive on that, but I've, I think I've heard that there's something quite similar in what rugby um, uh, does in uh in their sport. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that essentially will, will, will work out, but um, it's, it's great for fans uh, because what we're looking for is explanations and decisions. Cause there's been so many controversial decisions uh, over the last, however many years. Um, Goodness. Just the season alone, just the season alone has been awful. <laughs> but but the, the thing that I'm kind of hesitant is, I already feel like there's a lot of egos out there as far as the referees go, Howard Webb being one of them. Howard uh, Webb is the one that wants this. I I, I don't know about that. I, I I I think secretly what he what he's doing is is I, I think there's something going on behind the scenes with him. Do you think uh, he's trying to make himself look like the good guy and then he's like hopingly wanting the clubs to shoot this down like oh i tried to do this well i don't think the clubs are going to shoot it down i think the clubs are going to go for it 100 i think it's i meant like crazy. if that were to happen he's like crossing his fingers like oh i really hope this gets shot well, down. I, don't think I don't think he'd put it up for a vote if if that was the case and he he's only looking out for himself and the referees he's not looking out for the clubs or the players or anything like that he, he'd never put himself or or um his refs in in, in the line of fire basically um I think there's definitely more to this as far as what's in it for the referees. Because essentially that's – that's I've always seen the, the referee organizations, whether it's PGMOL, um, you, you name it. They, they always um, seem to, to put themselves, I think, on a, on a pedestal to the, to the game, uh, to the, the players that are actually playing. So, you know, there's, there's certain referees that will – make sure that they're the center of attention. You know, you're looking at David Coop. Howard Webb. Howard Webb. I mean, it was pretty obvious. Um, I'm not Howard Webb. I'm thinking of... Um, Jeremy oh Gallagher is another one. Who's the guy from Simon that? Hooper. Simon Mike, Hooper. Mike Dean, John Moss, guys like that that, you know, are not in the game anymore. They what 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 they did is they made the game about them. We need guys. So, and I, I made a comment, actually. Uh, recently on on uh, on Twitter X or whatever the hell it is now, um, I made a comment that, that I watched I watched the game and for the first time this past week I didn't know the referee's name for the whole wow. game and after the game I had to look That's it up I had to wow. look it up it was Liverpool Norwich on Sunday this past week and it was an EFL referee the guy was fantastic the guy was absolutely fantastic not a single. Uh, uh, controversial call the entire game. Don't know who the referee was. I can't remember off the top of my head. 
the the guy was uh, extraordinary. That's that's how referees are. I don't need to know who they are. They need to come do their job, and and you know nobody's paying to see them. They're paying to see the players. You know, and yes. the referees in the prem right now think they're an attraction. They're um, and, they're like and the honest, ringleaders. Part of it is the Premier League's fault because not a single league in sports publicizes the referees and the referee appointments yes. the way that the Premier League does. They have a a newsletter, basically an announcement, go out before each match week. That's not that's not normal. That's not normal. You know that I can that's already exciting. tell you. You're inciting, uh, uh, you know, you're 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 inciting the fans basically into getting them upset before a game's even kicked off. Right you know, now, I can already tell you who's refing the Sheffield United Aston Villa match. Oh, I, you want to you want to hear even more controversial? It's tyranny. You want to hear controversial? David Coote, who was the VAR referee who didn't give Mo- Martin Odegaard's handball, is the VAR for Arsenal Liverpool. That's controversial. That's corrupt. And you guys get Anthony Taylor again. I mean, the, the, he's not. Are good you guys on Peacock? Team. You know what? Let's just yeah. it. Moral of the story here is we like the oppor- We like the idea that. VAR is going to be explained more often next season. It actually, to your point, rugby does do it. And the women's world cup had did it this current world cup as well. Um, This will be the last thing we talk about Arsenal Liverpool matchup that we have going on that we, the premier league has going on. Yes. I own the premier league now. No, good God. Um, Arsenal Liverpool, February 4th, 11.30, 11.30, for those of you who aren't doing anything on that Sunday, go to Wolf's Beer Garden, uh, watch Woodsy and Rhett shout at each other or hold hold each other in, in um, combative niceness. There we go. That's what I want to say. That's, it's going to be, it's gonna be a, good, a good day. Uh, I'll be down there bright and early. Um, I think I might catch the, uh, the 9.30 kickoff, so I might. I might good for you. I might get down there for that. Uh, I'm yeah, thinking about coming down there myself, to be honest. It's, it's I'll be the mediator. Be... I'll be the mediator between <laughs> you two. We we behave pretty well. I uh, know you do. And Rhett, we... I'm actually the one that doesn't behave <laughs> unnaturally. I will say though, I got I got pretty upset about the no call handball in the in the last matchup. I was, uh, I, you know, with Arsenal fans surrounding you saying it's definitely not a handball when it clearly is a handball, and it. I, I just I'm like night and day, night and day. But uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup, to be honest with you. Um, oh yeah, it's going to be a good I, match. Liverpool, even without Mohamed Salah, they're flying right now. Uh, we got nine goals in the last two games. Uh, we haven't given up uh, that many goals, to be honest with you. Um, most of the goals are against the run of play that we give up. So I'm not quite concerned. I'm not quite concerned at all. Um, with that match, I think it's it's one that's either going to end in a draw or it's going to be a Liverpool uh, masterclass. I, I, I have a lot of confidence in this team for the, for the first time in a long time. Like I, I've been I've been liking the way Liverpool played a lot of the season, um, but there's there's something about this team the last three or four weeks that I don't think we've seen since that team that tried for the quadruple a few years back. Um, it's it's that good. Um, the rotation that Klopp, the Klopp's subs this year have been pretty darn good for the most part. Uh, I think he's he's had a couple subs here and there that have been questionable. Um, but it's, 
for the most part this season, I think that's been one of the crucial parts of their success. But this game's going to be freaking intense, man. And and it being at the Emirates, I think, I think kind of makes it makes it even more of a a big game. I think because you know it's always a big game in Anfield. We always expect it to be a big game in Anfield, but Arsenal haven't beaten Liverpool. Uh, or excuse me, Arsenal have only beaten Liverpool one of the last five times at the Emirates. And that one was was last season. And if you I don't know if you remember that game, but there was a remember the the whole VAR camera issue with Arsenal not being able to to have the um the the ball ruled out of play against Newcastle. Remember that game? Yes. So the first game, the first ever game we had where VAR couldn't get a camera angle was that game. Uh, Liverpool Arsenal on a goal that was given when Bukayo Saka was actually offside in the build up to that play. Um, and then there was obviously controversial Gabriel Martinelli uh, dive in the, in the box in the, in the late in the game that ended up deciding it. There was a hand, no ball, no handball called on uh, Gabriel uh, in the box as well on a Diogo Jota. Uh, Are you spiteful? Cross. How do you remember this stuff? Listen, man, I when you swear to God. Out, I, 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 you're you know, just like a pool of like, let's unlock this. And then it just pours out. I don't get it, man. You just remember stuff and it, and that it was hangs a, with you. It was I a mean, rough like, good for you. It's incredible. It was a rough game. We, we, I thought we played actually really well that match for the most part, but um, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where basically I, I, I think it's, it's going to be tight, but I, I, I could see Liverpool getting a win in this one and, and we'll have our picks out, you know, soon. I'll, I'll, you know, get everything set for you guys. We'll, we'll get those picks done, but gotta get it up tomorrow. Excuse me. Yeah, we'll get it out tomorrow. But um, I think I think I like Liverpool a lot in this one. Um, I don't I don't think Arsenal haven't impressed me since uh, since the last time these two teams have played. Um, I don't so, think they're even with their win recently. What I will say is that this is actually a must win. For Liverpool, obviously it's a must-win for everybody. But this is a must. Every game is a must-win for Liverpool. This is the big one of the biggest must-wins because they have to stay ahead of Man City and they have to stay against Arsenal. And both of those teams right now share points at 46. To be able to keep ahead of City because they're starting to click now because they have Kevin De Bruyne. I know we haven't really talked about it all that much. And we won't. That'll be a podcast for another time because I know we're running really uh, late right now. But, um, yeah, L- Liverpool have to win this match away. And I I don't know who – if Arsenal are able to keep scoring, they have to keep scoring against Liverpool. That's really what it comes down to. If they can keep with Liverpool, then it's going to end in a draw. I don't think I don't think Arsenal's going to win this match. It's either a draw or they lose. Unfortunately, for sorry, Rhett, but and all other um, Arsenal fans out there who listen to this pod, uh, I just I think Liverpool are just a very high functioning, dynamic squad right now, and I, I think that the whole Klopp thing, retire or leaving, not really retiring, but leaving, puts a lot more. 
vigor into the players and they want to win this four clock for the last season. And I think that's a lot, a lot of people are going to start leaning into at this point. So um, count me one of those two opportunities. I, I, I think this is going to be a fun match either way. Um, again, catch it at Wolf Beer, Wolf's Beer Garden uh, down on Broadway in Albany. There's other locations as well. If you're out in Schenectady, there's a Schenectady location and Syracuse as well. So um, catch the match there. We'll be at Albany. So um, if you want to hang out with us, we'll be there as well. Uh, do you have anything else to add to this, to any of this? I mean, as, as far as that game goes, I think that first goal is going to be pivotal. Um, once somebody scores, that game opens opens wide open. Uh, wide open. So, I think that that game, the first goal is the most important thing in that game. And if it's Absolutely. if it's for Liverpool, Arsenal might be in trouble. If it's for Arsenal, we got a. I think we got more of a match because I, I do think Liverpool are going to score. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun. <laughs> one. It'll be fun. Um, well, I know we were very long winded this particular episode guys and uh if you're still hanging with us we appreciate you for still listening in and uh hanging out with us here uh don't forget to like subscribe um rate us comment we will always engage with you guys uh till next time don't forget to tip your bartenders If you guys want to hear or see more, we have links in the description below. We hope to hear from you soon and hear more about what you have to say. So stick right here on the Overwatch League Report on Wicked Good Everything.